Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Rob, what are we promoting today? Uh, we are promoting the five-year anniversary of Waypoint, a star-studded stream uh, <laughs> featuring many Waypoint alumni, our friends from Motherboard, us, not featuring most of the people who were there for the 72-hour launch stream. <laughs> also not happening, a 72-hour stream in honor of five years of Waypoint. <sighs> also vetoed was my plan to do a musical interpretation of the last five years of Waypoint, which I just adapted the musical the last five years, but made it about Waypoint. And so, like, we would be oh. over here doing the Waypoint Plus shit up right. front, but then, like, the OG Waypoint people would be, like, doing it in reverse. We'd pass each other midway through, and we'd really reflect, reflect on our shared journey. Uh, but it was too high concept uh, for some people <laughs> and completely unworkable in a stream format. So instead, we're just getting the band back together on Friday and streaming all day and playing a lot of fun games. That's right. Uh, yeah. And then what was our timing on that? that? Sometime Eastern ten. It's, East ten. Yeah, East like German, yeah. starting around ten a.m. Eastern with some flexibility. Yeah, yeah. And wrapping around like six p.m. if everything goes well. Right. Mm -hmm. With some flexibility, but during during the day, the work day, we will be yes live, playing games, having fun. And all of that is going to be happening on October 29th. Set the date now in your calendars. Don't miss it. It's going to be great. What's good, Internet? It's October 22nd. And you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 436. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and today I'm joined by Patrick Klepek. I'm still mad about the hats, actually. You got me. You, Damn. You, like, Damn. You started talking about hats. I admitted I was. I got uh, honest with the group, admitted that I can't wear hats, <laughs> and Rob was like, well, we need to immediately start the podcast, and I'm, I'm just heated. I'm still heated about my hair and its lack of hat compatibility. I'm just being, I'm just being honest here. And Kato, what are you heated about? Uh, missing out on a cool hat. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about this. I wanted a hat with fucking Konsensitsetsiao on it, on the back. You know, the fucking concept of uh, so, uh, conscious class consciousness that Paulo Freire talks about in Pedagogy of the Oppressed. Like, you know, you you got um, I, <laughs> hey man, I got the in my closet. I got these uh, Pelicans hats and uh, also the Pedagogy of the Oppressed. You know, uh, just. Depends on how I'm feeling in the morning. I am glad that finally there is a hat that you can wear that is the equivalent of carrying your degree around with you. <laughs> uh, and is a socially acceptable way to show it off to people. Uh, oh, damn it. Or, or is this just is this just like what happens when you uh, have wasted your college years away with a degree that is like mostly pointless and it's like, but if I get the hat, then I can use it as a uh, as like a talking point in a conversation. 
I mean, this is pretty much why, like, every time, like, uh, me, classics memes for Hellenistic teens, like, puts a piece of merch up, I'm like, gimme, I'm gonna spend money on that. (laughs) Because it's like, yeah, I too have a degree I'm not using. Uh, I I got a degree, you know, in theory, compatible. I went to school for journalism. None of it was useful. It was just four years to get drunk. Although I, I drink I deeply it. of the liberal arts philosophy where it's like, I'm using it every day, just not yeah. like in that field. Uh-huh. I'm using my art degree for sure. <laughs> I mean, I see the posts, Kato. Yeah. yeah. Do, you like, send, do you send those back to the alumni program every time you, uh, every time you make one? <laughs> hey, look at, look at me. Look at my Twitter followers. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't. I, I see who gets invited to the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign's alumni speeches. No, I never been asked. I feel like you know. Look, yeah, I. It's important. I will also not be asked back. It's important to not tie your success to material. Uh, also, Rob said asked back. Oh. The implication being, at some point, maybe he was asked and it went very poorly. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> No, I'm just saying. After they handed me my diploma, I think they were they were happy ah, to get out see of here. Never throw come, my shit never in the car and leave. Campus. Yeah, come back when you can wear a hat. <laughs> um. So, uh, let's get into it a little bit. Um, we're a little short-handed today. Somebody, not going to name names, may have sent out, <laughs> failed to send out hmm. uh, schedule invites. May have failed oh. to confirm. Uh, Lina may have failed to confirm agenda. Uh, anyway, Patrick, what have you got for us on a brand new news segment? <laughs> uh, did anyone else watch this Uncharted trailer? They went I out did. this morning. This morning? Yeah, no, I haven't seen I shit. Yeah, it's I was it's, busy doing other shit. <laughs> you're you're good. You've seen this movie before. Um, I don't know. We, we, oh, wait, the we, movie. Uncharted. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I, apologies to Tom Holland. You're a very good Spider-Man, but. It appears it appears that the the, the limits of your um, he's just too young. Tom Holland has the same problem that I have that mm. uh, he is going to be perpetually eighteen he's an eternal, for the yeah. he isn't. Yes, yeah. Thank you for the <laughs> the synergy <laughs> with Marvel Studios at the ad break. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, there was there was a couple things. Is this I, not meant to, to be like young Drake? It is. Yeah, it is they, so they is. are okay. using parts of the flashback sequences from uh, Thieves End. Right. So right. that's like, what I assumed seeing his casting because he's just yeah. You're right. He's well, so they re- and they reference his brother Sam. Right. Sam's yeah. his brother. But there's a whole like the okay. So the other thing is you're starting this with origin story stuff, but I think what makes uh, like what everyone liked about Nathan Drake in the beginning was that he's sort of this everyman character in some ways. Like, yeah, he does Indiana Jones shit, but he also just <laughs> seems like such a, a schlep, like such a, sh- a schlub in some ways. Um, and here we're going straight to origin story stuff uh, for a guy whose like defining characteristic is going to be like aggressively normal, uh, despite being like kind of a, su- a superhero. Um, the other thing that lost me is like, I don't know how I feel about Wahlberg as uh, Sully. I know people have strong feelings on, look, uh, even if you don't like Mark Mark Wahlberg and lots of legitimate 
<laughs> reasons to, to not like Mark Wahlberg. What, you can't grow a mustache? You just couldn't grow the fucking mustache? Yeah. Like, the one, the one, <laughs> it would have gone a long way towards being slightly in the direction of that character, and instead it's just Mal- Mark Wahlberg showing up, just being Mark Wahlberg, which, eh, you know, there was a time and place for that. I feel like he's also a person who we've since re- realized his acting range is extremely limited, um, and you got to put him in the right situations for his shtick to, to, to land. Or you have to make him afraid that his career is ending. Like, this is how they get the, get a good roll out of him in The Departed, right? Is like, this is his chance. He's working with Scorsese. Uh, like, it's time to actually, like, show up to work today, Mark. And he does. <laughs> um, and steals multiple scenes. And then he's like, okay, so what about back to being a blandly charismatic leading man? Mm. Done. Uh, so, yeah, I'm... I... I had no great expectations uh, for this movie, but just it has cast, managed to underperform um, them. What's his face? Bruce Campbell, and then made him younger with the magic of CG. Through, through movie magic, yeah. Bruce Campbell <laughs> as Sully. Well, it's also just fascinating to see the different ways that Sony is trying to like you can start to see how they're li- trying to line things up for the future. You know, there's the you know the reports and rumors that they're doing a twisted metal. Like show, I think it's a TV show is the plan. Show? While also, yeah, putting into production a new Twisted Metal game, which I believe is supposed to be the reports of Peg that's being developed by the, what was it, Destruction All-Stars was the, the PS5 launch game that then got mm-hmm. delayed into a PlayStation Plus uh, uh, thing that came a couple months later. Um, it's just an interesting, I'll be curious to see how that stuff pans out in, I don't think Uncharted is going to do Maybe I'll be surprised. Tom Holland is extremely charismatic and I like watching him in things. And Uncharted is just, you know, feels Spider-Man adjacent enough that it is probably a good enough time. But Uncharted strikes me as the kind of movie that like I'd be fine watching like 11 p.m. I only caught the first 45 minutes, but it was fine. Uh, And uh, yeah, isn't there? There's also such an element of like recursion to this where it's like. Uncharted was special in part because it's probably the closest games have come to recreating the feel of an Indiana Jones uh, movie, like even more so than Tomb Raider. Uh, It has a lot of the cinematic beats. It's funny. Uh, Like there's actually like characters and writing you can dig into. And it's like, wow, this is really great for a video game. And now we're doing the like, and wouldn't it be great as a movie? And it's like, well, the thing is, it already was a movie, and they were kind of adapting it. So, <laughs> well, but Indiana Jones doesn't mean shit to people these days. Like, uh, you know, I'm good. I mean, well, yeah, and, and they're making another one of those. And actually, Spielberg stepping down and Mangold uh, directing the new one is probably the most promising development that I heard about. That. I mean, I still like Spielberg as a director, but I think he has pretty uh, notably lost his touch uh, in the in the blockbuster realm, and is is better suited sticking into more of the artistic stuff that he's he's done for the last 15 years. But I, I just mean, you're right, but I, I don't know that Indiana Jones, like the fact that Uncharted is just like lovingly done rip-off Indiana Jones. Uncharted probably means more as a property than Indiana Jones to, like, does to, yeah. to uh, you know, the, the broader culture uh, at this point, even though Indiana Jones has a ton of built-in, you know, generational nostalgia. But I think to set you up for silliness like this, where you're making this like labored origin story, laying the groundwork for this franchise you're hoping to create. And I think part of what makes a lot of like the reason Indiana Jones works and becomes a franchise is because they just throw you into the good shit, right? Like you yeah. get you straight into the middle of uh, an adventure for characters already pretty well established uh, in like the world of the film. 
And yeah, here it's going to be like, so Nathan Drake is the, the other like weird changes too, I guess, just to make it easier to shoot. But like, you know, he, he's a bartender in Chicago, uh, not in Chicago, New York. Um, and that's, that's what he's doing, awaiting his summons to greatness. So again, like, I don't even know if like that's a compelling origin story. Um, even the Uncharted series uses it later, uh, to sort of reframe some of the character. Yeah, didn't look promising. I, I do think that that film that fan film looms large where they had like Stephen Lang playing Sully. <laughs> yeah. And yes. it was like, yeah, it's basically Sully. Uh yeah, it's I, I don't know. I don't know who it's for, I guess, is is it just feels like one of those projects they've been making, trying to make for the better part of 15 years, something like that. And at some point, like it gets shuffled around enough times and I don't know, like, you know, they'll, they'll greenlight anything with an IP attached to it. And that lines up with Sony trying to broaden out just like the appeal of their IP, which like part of that is, you know, the other one of the other things this week was they announced that God of War is coming to the PC in early January 14th to Steam and, and Epic, um, which follow. Uh, there will also be an Uncharted collection, which is a I forget which games are in it, but there's a handful of them getting remastered for for PS5 and for PC early next year tied to to the movie's release. But um, yeah, I don't know. The God of War one was, you know, I, I liked that game quite a bit. Um, I don't know that it was as IGN readers declared it the best video game ever made. That seemed I, te- I texted someone very senior on that project when that happened and was like, uh, congrats. He's like, I don't know what they're talking about. And I was like, you know, yeah, that's a. <laughs> I liked the game you made a lot or contributed to a lot, but I don't know that I would have declared it. The recency bias is a hell of a drug. <laughs> it is. It is. But it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting seeing Sony's like pronged approach to, uh, we don't believe, or no, we believe in generations, but then also the games that we're going to make for the next couple of years are largely going to come out in multiple platforms. And then we're going to pick and choose, how these games come out to PC and we're just never going to port Bloodborne because at this point I'm convinced I'm convinced there must be an explanation that goes beyond just um, torturing people um, because it's just it just seems so obvious that I have to wonder if there's some sort of hang up with their relationship with from that is I just don't know I have no I don't I don't know what I that's all I can think of in seeing the God of War. I'm happy for people being able to play on a PC. The game is fucking gorgeous and will look incredible on on high end gaming machines. But I, I, I truly, every time they announce a new one of these PC ones, I, I can't help but just wonder like there has to be, like there has to be an explanation. Like I'm looking, it's like I'm it's a conspiracy. Patrick's hat goes on because like that, what, like there has to be like oh, what that is the hat you can what? wear? Uh, exactly, hundred <laughs> percent because it's it's metaphorical as opposed to um in the physical realm. Um, because all, all I do is think about replaying that game at I don't even care about the 4K. Yeah. Like, just you could give it to me at 720p, 60 frames a second, and like I'd be the I'd happily give you the, big thing, yeah. the frames are like all I care about here. I mean, the 4K would be good as well. I played um, a bit of that on PS5, and the load time being faster helps a little bit, just a tiny bit of like, oh yeah, I, I can get around a little faster. <laughs> but like, give me it. It's actually one of those where, as much as I like the PS5 version, I'd rather the PC version because I want a mob that's just like, yo, you just want like unlimited health items, like to the max that you can carry, so you never have to grind that shit again. It's like, yeah, I do actually. Like, I don't. I want to play that game again very badly, but I don't need to fight the two uh, troll characters off to the left of Yarnum 
which was the easiest spot to get them yeah. to, to grind yeah. to grind out health items. And he would also get a bunch of uh, uh, experience points. And I would just spend my time hanging out on those that stairwell God. running back. And the amount of like podcasts I listen to getting my like my chest back up to, to 99 or whatever it is that you could carry um, is uh, I don't know. It's a lot. But yeah, I guess, you know, not Bloodborne PC announcement continues, uh, continues ever forward. I am the weird thing. Everything's changed so much. I think I'm, I'm thinking back. There was a time when announcements like this would have been the most exciting thing in the world. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, like how many PC gamers are still out there? Uh, like, you know, uh, looking through the candy store window at PS five exclusives. Cause I do I feel like, I, I think this game is an, is an outlier there in which I think this game will, I mean, if you think of the, the games prior, right, it's days gone, uh, horizon, um, like, and, and like horizon's a, a pretty, a big game, but like this God of war game in particular, like the reaction to it was huge. Like, I think this game is, I, I laugh at IGN readers, uh, giving it the best game ever made distinction, but, I think it's also the case this game has built up quite a following in the I think it's I saw Sony announced like it had sold like 20 million units, which is not the number I would have assigned to it. Um, like this game was big at the time and has like seemingly continued to be incredibly big for them. And I do think it actually is the kind of game that could be kind of breakout on, on the PC because there's not much you don't really get. Like the games that Sony makes, cinematic character action games, mm-hmm. like just don't exist on the PC. <laughs> like, like yeah. um, um, at least like this budget and like uh specialization like that is like a very console-y thing microsoft is deeply uninterested in making them sony's kind of the, the company that made it their specialty um so i do think there's a chance for this and uncharted to like do fairly well on the pc because they run they look they'll look especially pretty and then also they just kind of run a counter to what normally you find on that platform anyway yeah i think that's a that, that's a fair point I feel like it was it was a thing that sort of hypnotized. Well, you know, I, I shouldn't say that uh, because sometimes I can look over at like PC Gamer and like PC Gamer does a lot of posting about things that are not coming to PC. Uh, but like sort of hypothesizing or just theorizing, like eh, how would this look? Uh, so I guess like I could see like in the PC space that we know there's an audience interested in this stuff. I think it's just, it's so it's such a different landscape than it was in like the mid two thousands where it felt like there were just entire huge amounts of stuff heading over to consoles that weren't coming to PC. And now it feels like we're, you know, PC gamers are probably still finally getting what they want. Um, but I don't like know. Ninten- like Nintendo is like the only holdout and they'll never change. Their, their games are never going to come to PC. <laughs> cut, cut to uh, someone well, extracting this audio five years from now to throw it in my face. Um, and do PC gamers need well, Nintendo's what do you permission count as a PC? to enjoy do their Do you games? count a phone as a computer? Phones are like no. computers. They're, they're no, small I, pocket I, computers, I, Patrick. I, I, I count <laughs> there being a, a, a bullet point in which Nintendo says we have have frame rate unlocked as being <laughs> like what, what it means to create a game for, oh for, the, my God. for the for the PC. But it's also just it's just nice because uh, even almost for like historical value to have these games available on platforms that aren't explicitly tied to 
consoles, um, even though you could buy God of War in a physical format. Like, it's just nice that the it's nice that Kingdom Hearts is on PC now, even though it frequently feels like if a game comes out exclusive to Epic Game Store, is it really on PC? Um, (laughs) Just feels like well, it just feels like a game like Kingdom Hearts should have. I was expecting like, damn, like. This is going to be like there's going to be so much cool shit that comes out of it. And there's already, a, you know, a burgeoning King uh, Kingdom Hearts uh, modding scene. That is yeah. Like how do you think they on, got them in, on in uh, Smash? Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yes, like, Nintendo modded him in from the mod, went, to, went to ModDB, <laughs> created an account uh, uh, and uploaded. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. It's, I think it's nice that we are moving to a space more generally where. If it, it, sure, it's for commercial reasons, um, but that these platforms, something like the PC is seen as big enough um, that actually the audience is broader than just console. And it also just means like more and more we're moving towards a world where games are just released and eventually they get to kind of basically anywhere. And like, I, I'm fucking stoked to the, the notion that like I can play, you know, God of War on that Steam Deck probably going to be pretty fucking mm. cool. Um, like that was the first thing I thought of when I saw that. That's the first thing I think of a lot these days is I, I look you at think, the switch. Do you think it makes the, my list, deck. the steam deck list? I don't know. I mean, it, it's it, developers don't explicitly have to do a thing. It's more that they can do things to uh, like make it work better on, on that platform. Right. I think, um, but they're like, there's like some, there's like some sort of curation happening of like this one was, optimized yes. versus not right yeah yeah they, yeah they they said they just they they, ha- they like hired a bunch of people to like go through the i think they claimed the entire steam library to Bam. try and sort through like what we recommend uh this game doesn't have native controller support here's like the community has built controller support through the steam controller mm-hmm. and then we can we can we can map that to the steam deck for you um i'm fucking so excited to mostly shove my switch in a drawer and like just use Damn. a steam deck. It makes me like so much anger now that the steam deck that I like, I couldn't get the order through until it's like listed as Q one or whatever. I mean, I'll live, but I've got plenty to play. Um, but it's just like every time I play a game on, on, on my switch, it just feels like the OLED is a, is a fancy smoke screen that is really just, if you could just play this on a steam. I mean, even I was talking to someone recently and like, God, I just, can't wait until uh, which Nintendo would just released that like Metroid Prime like remaster on Switch. And I was like, you know what would probably look better? Just jump through some hoops and play Metroid Prime on your Steam Deck. <laughs> I bet that'll look better <laughs> than whatever Nintendo ends up uh, putting together for for the Switch, uh, unless oh, they do an man. actual, you know, full on full on remake or something like that. And yeah. uh, the, the Steam Deck seems like it'd be a pretty cool device for for stuff like that. Um, That's not the only thing you have to be waiting on. Right. Well, Elden Ring didn't get delayed that much. Um, yeah, Elden, <laughs> Ring, Elden Ring. Uh, uh, I'd say the most. What made, yes, Elden Ring was delayed from January something something to February twenty fifth. Um, but they seemed Are almost you want to. Me? Wait, that same week. Yeah, February is pretty stacked up at this point. Is that when the Witch or whatever the comes fucking, out? The, yes, the Witch Queen yeah. Disney two. That's the twenty second. Hey, there's plenty of time for Bungie to also God delay that by two weeks, which no. is you should just expect that's going to happen. I don't um, know at this point because that was supposed to come out in October. That is traditionally when those things come out, the big expansions, and they Elden Ring it was supposed to come out like a year ago. <laughs> uh, so I, I think 
in these fair. COVID times, yeah, I, fair, I, I, guess. I feel like nothing, <laughs> nothing is, is assured. But the thing that like made me confident that Elden Ring is like truly probably going like this is just like a final blip is that they they tied it with a you know announcing a network test which is something they've done for a couple of games now mm. they didn't do it for Sekiro um I don't believe um but they did it for Dark Souls three they did it for Bloodborne um and so the you know starting in November um during a period there'll be an opportunity for people to to jump in and play some slice of content so they can. You know, do some do some work, uh, yeah. and, you know, analyzing and I'm even though they've said, like, please don't stream it. Please don't record it. Like, you know what I can't wait for people to stream it <laughs> and record it. Um, yeah. People uh, to find the pot boys, make a pot yeah, boy it's game. Like, it's, we- it's weird. So I like Elden Ring is or from games in general are one of the few games in which uh i understand my job is like to play things and know things and then there are like occasionally games where i would like to do everything possible to know as little as little as as i can uh before i actually play it um another ring would be one of those but like you know like an Elden Ring code showed up and like, do you want to play this game early? I'd be like, yep, yep, uh, yep, yep. Do. Uh-huh. yeah, do, yep. yeah, do, actually. yeah, yeah, throw out, throw out uh, what everything I just said. Um, and so, yeah, I am. I, that's what I'm most curious about uh, to come out of this is I want to know all the little goofy little details. I, I want, I want someone to spend 12 hours leveling up their pot boys and, and tell me what the implications uh, <laughs> from that are for, for February 25th. Uh, 2022. Um, but uh, yeah. So it, the, you can sign up on, on Namco's website. It's not a guarantee to get in. I don't know how widespread the the invites are are going to be, but um, you know, uh, uh, Lord willing, we'll somehow manage to get Yumi and Austin into that <laughs> so that we can so we can we can put it to the test, right? Oh, what yeah. did we say? If we all if we all, all work together, we could take on anyone. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, that's, that's that's that's. That's what's going to happen. We can put that together and we can blame it on uh, the network test. Oh, my internet. The internet's bad. Yeah. Like they, they're still working on the, the, the connection. They need rollback yada, yada. in this. They to really. <laughs> uh, uh, and then, yeah, the, the, the last thing that kind of will have to yeah. uh, explain to us Hit me. is. Um, all right. I'm just going to read what this says. Uh, Bungie colon. Quote, yes, you can upgrade to the deluxe edition to access the dungeons. We will also add a separate access path in the future, which sounds like money for you to pay. Um, People were very heated about this while also saying, I wish Destiny would just go free to play and have. I'm just summarizing what I've seen on Twitter and you can correct me. But like there's like, hey, Bungie should stop talking about Destiny as though it's not really a free to play game. And then they should just include different subs for what people want to do and yada, yada, yada. Right. But I'm, anyway, I'm, maybe you can yeah. contextualize this for us and how that falls in that broader debate over they're going to keep charging extra money because people keep paying it is the, is the reality. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So um, essentially the way that things have broken down is there are these two kind of big content drops. There is an expansion that's your shadow keeps, your beyond lights. And then there's the seasons, which are the additional content that happened that runs throughout the entire year between those yearly drops. Which people seem to really like this year. That was yeah. the vibe I got from like the last 12 months or so. Yeah, like, they've been. Was, hey, they really got into a rhythm. And yes, it was alienating to a lot of people who 
like, no, I mean, don't want to yeah. feel like they're losing out on things and like, you know, can't just jump into stuff. But like if you're in the rhythm of Destiny, like it seems like Bungie has gotten this game in a really good space from a storytelling perspective. Yeah, it's it's really great. And uh, you can still go back and play most of those things. The only issue is that when Witch Queen drops, I think a bunch of them do go away. The seasonal mm. thing specifically. De- vaulting is a whole other thing. But um, specifically with the way that this has worked before is that you pay one price for the expansion, you pay a second price for the seasonal pass, and together those basically make up a $60 video game that you're paying paying once a year to buy, right? Um, uh, that, if you bought that, that, that included everything the game had, right? Um, essentially, that is still true technically insofar as there's only three different there's four different versions right the three different versions right now because of this this anniversary edition thing where like in a month they're gonna do some extra extra content outside of what is already planned uh that's like 30th anniversary of bungie like special dungeons and stuff that you can buy but currently two ways to buy witch queen on steam $40 $40 for the Witch Queen, which is just the expansion. And then uh $79.99, $80 to buy the deluxe edition, which is the one that includes the seasons. They also include the dungeons. Dungeons are essentially three player raids that are, you know, they're in between the strikes and a raid. Uh, they're like as complex and difficult as a raid, but you only require three people to go through them. Um, traditionally, that's just attached to whatever season they come out in. This time, if you buy the Witch Queen and you buy, there's a there's a way that you can buy a season pass on its own. You wouldn't get the dungeons. There would be a there's a another path to getting those dungeons. Uh, I love descri- I love like, describing a thing as an access path. That's a that's yeah, a great. I don't, it's just, that's, mm, <laughs> that's called charging money. Yeah, access path. Yeah, I don't I don't understand where the split is happening because, as far as I can tell, there isn't even. Let me see. There isn't even currently a way on Steam to buy a season pass separately. Although in theory mm. there will be one eventually, but. Yeah, so basically they're taking this one thing out of what the assumed package was going to be and people got really mad because you know, they like they don't like change. People don't like change in general. And it does seem that this year's deluxe edition, which is like, you know, you buy this and you get Destiny for the next year is more expensive than it hasn't been in la- in past years, right? That's usually this like $60 full game price point, but it's $80 this time. I mean, it um, sounds it it, fe- it feels a little bit like yeah. Does this game have a monthly fee? Yes. No. <laughs> does it have a monthly? F- is this a little bit like they've uh, like your landlord rolls up the price of like <laughs> you don't have to pay for the cable bill or the electricity? And it's like you're just rolling it into the yeah, rent. It's just like in the that- rent already. <laughs> and so that's that's my read on yes. it. Is like yeah, the pricing is going up because you know it would make as much as people. I've seen people talk about like I would prefer a like fully free to play Destiny in which I just paid twelve ninety nine a month yeah. or whatever yeah. to to get access to everything. That 
that would cause that would be such a monumental shift to do. Probably you can't do that till Destiny three, whatever they end up call, like whatever's happening whatever in like four years when be, they yeah. when they finish the the light and dark saga or yeah, whatever they're calling yeah. it. Um, uh, that this is sort of like splitting the difference. It's like, well, if you increase the price, the base price, we're essentially baking in like the months that people would be paying as they work through the content that that strike that strikes me as like a pretty reasonable explanation for how this is ending up. They're just finding ways to what feels like nickel and diming because it is. Yeah. But it's also because they seem to be trying to find a way to spread out what would be people buying monthly or annual subs. Right. Um, in, in a piece of con- like you're buying a year sub. You're buying a you year sub up front. That's what the eighty dollar. That's what the eighty dollar yeah. uh, uh, price tag is. Is an annual sub, and you've gotten a discount because it would be a hundred and ten dollars or whatever right. if you paid monthly. And it's just like you know, it gives them more leeway. Like sometimes the seasons are a little lighter, and people might drop subs technically during that time. Who knows what the actual math of that is? But I see, I can see how that's what they're worried about. Um, but like. Yeah, I'm the 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 community was incensed. It was very funny actually, the uh, because this post this post happened on the Destiny Reddit, which is not known mm-hmm. for their level-headed uh reactions. Uh but it was a lot of it was this the community this community manager who's well known used to be a redditor and then got pulled into Bungie uh who posted this like breakdown of like hey, this is how dungeons are going to work. And every respond was like you could like you could feel the rage through the screen, but they all they all kind of held back a bit and were like, "Man, I know it's not you, not you specifically, well, yeah, wanna, um, <laughs> but I this really sucks. I know it's not you, I'm, but yeah, I'm fucking I mad." I cannot <laughs> cannot say the name of the Reddit user. Uh-huh. Like the fir- the top response. <laughs> I'm just gonna yeah. I will just paste it. Oh, I, oh Reddit. All right, goddamn uh, Reddit. <laughs> can't highlight it it doesn't it doesn't matter i will i will do that as i'm reading this um a quote um says that yeah the, the top comment to the cosmo the community manager that was was in there was like i know it's not your fault but you're going to get eviscerated here <laughs> yep. um yep um and then okay now i can paste it there you go from that person oh, that's the God. first and top yeah. comment um uh, An amazing amount of restraint from uh, this username, yeah, whose name we will not say out loud. <laughs> no, we will not. No. Um, and uh, the uh, Cosmo's response to that is, is it happens. Just wanted to make sure there wasn't any ambiguity and everyone had the correct info. Response to that from the paper zebra, which at least I can read that, is, I appreciate you playing scapegoat for this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every response here is like, well, we know you didn't make this decision, and you're the one that has to post it. Yeah. Um, is um, outside of the uh, terrible usernames uh, is is kind of funny. Um, and that makes that what a what a, that's a tough job. Yeah. I mean, and they they had still only barely gotten past the like vaulting stuff. Like people are still mad about that. So it's just, like really just throwing another well, log. Say and they're all th- part of the same thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like the 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 like uh current expansion beyond light got like lightly review bombed for a bit of people just saying like excited for when they remove this in two years uh things like that so it's just you know never ending fire over there um game's still fun unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately but uh they have a lot of structural issues still uh ever since uh 
Ever since two, basically. One was this well, like beautiful and- time when nobody knew what to expect. <laughs> but it doesn't like they're you know the fact that they've pushed off. Uh, they've turned Destiny two into almost like a essentially like a ten year saga. Yeah. That like the, the bonus of having a number is you can make sweeping changes. It just absorb all the ire at once as you <laughs> as you announce those. Um, and that absent that you kind of have to make them incrementally. Whereas like, it's not hard to imagine where like they had a meeting and it's like, look, we're making a bunch of changes we'd make alongside that kind of numbered sequel. And we're just going to pad them out in between Yeah, when people like in between the content drops and people are just bored and angry anyway. Here we go. <laughs> Here are the changes are coming. And then the content comes and uh-huh. everyone's like, Oh, this part's pretty good. Um, I like Destiny, and they forget. And well, and also a bunch on. of the people who were gonna leave left. Yeah. So there, there, there's also an element of this is how we make it work now with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. It's fair. Yeah. Uh, Patrick. So I wanted to touch base on uh, you're back at you're back on that VR thing. Uh, I am a little VR, bit. Yes. VR was a trend, but Patrick, for you, it became a way of life. Uh, I did. Yeah, well, I was a big, uh, a big, I don't believe her, but I, uh, I really liked VR. You know, I, I bought all, I bought into it pr- fairly early um, emotionally and uh, with my wallet. I bought like the what was the uh, HTC Vice, the one with the early things you put up on your on your wall uh, or Vive. Vive. I was going to say uh, Vice is the Vice is the place I work at. <laughs> Vive is the um, the thing made by HTC. Um, yeah, and then I got tired of the wires, and uh, it's like the only time I've like plugged a VR headset back into my to anything was to play Astrobot on PS4, which is an incredible game, unbelievably good, like well worth doing that. I think I played the FromSoft uh, VR game. I kind of even remember what that thing was called. I don't no remember. Oh, yeah, it was from a yeah, it had a weird name. Um, I played that. It was fine. It was not particularly good or bad. It was it was just it was there. Um, and then I played Half-Life Alex when that came out. What well, last year? Um, <laughs> Racine. Racine. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, cool name. <laughs> cool name. Cool. Na- cooler name than an actual thing. It was fine. Um, and really like, you know, Half-Life Alex was, I think, an incredible experience. But like so many cables and like as nice as the. The indexes, um, like the moment I tried out a Oculus Quest and like obligatory fuck Facebook, but also like the Oculus Quest is an incredible piece of engineering and it, it fucking rules. And like the moment you try one, it's like, oh, oh, like all these wires are nonsense. You can't do these wires anymore. I don't care how nice the headset is and how nice it is to be connected to a PC. Um, and even the Quest, you can uh, you there is a a. a, a a software update or uh, called Airlink where you can't, as long as you're like fairly close to your router and a PC that is connected um, like hardwired to the internet, you can use an Oculus quest wirelessly and play, play games that are meant to be played on your PC using the wireless Oculus quest. And, um, or you can connect it hardwired with like a, like a USB C cable um, and just use the quest. Um, Anyway, it's all to say, I like I, I kind of dip my toe back in. Like usually, if I'm gonna like play VR, I like end up playing a bunch of VR games at once. Where it's like, okay, I'm interested again. Like this is what I'm gonna do for the next two weeks. Um, and so I've been downloading a bunch as I like prepare to go back into VR hibernation. Um, I wanted to play 
Lone Echo and its sequel, which are these like really highly praised VR narrative games from Ready at Dawn developers of isn't that that game you fucking like the order right Mm -hmm. isn't that ready at dawn one day we got to play that game rob i want a reason to play that game so i know that's Mm. on a list at some point sounds like a 101 i don't know how many subs we're gonna get off of we're playing the order (laughs) 1886 or whatever i mean how many are we getting off a michael mann podcast or stalker retrospective who gives i think i think stalker's a little more like uh that's there's a crossover there but your, your your point is not lost on me um, <laughs> the, the only time the VR stuff really comes everyone, out these days. Sorry, is, everyone at Patrick that they would enjoy us doing specifically yeah, at you, Patrick Klepek, not anyone else. But you, <laughs> you need to say I will sub to Waypoint <laughs> Plus at WaypointPlus.com yeah. to listen to that. Yeah. If you are already part of here, I, look, we're happy to serve you. You're, you're, you know, as Kato says, you're here, you're family. But that just because yeah, if you're already subbed and you that want. I <laughs> yeah, the famous kind of, you've said it a couple times now. Oh. So I've now consider it it has moved from Olive Garden yeah. to uh Great. Kato. Great. Um uh the only other time the VR headset really gets used is when my 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 oldest will notice it on the usually like sits charging underneath like an entertainment center upstairs and they have these really cool um like animated uh like I mean it's real time but like these basically like a- like animated shorts um where you can like look around hmm. and uh, she's young enough where like you're like not supposed to wear a VR headset for like particularly like long more than like 10, 15 minutes um, for like developing eyes. So, but these things are like five minutes long, 10 well, minutes. Well, she's got to get ready and for the metaverse. Is that? Well, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, they're going to announce that, that new name. Uh, I got an email today where it's like, here are the betting lines on Facebook's uh, new name. Uh, I did not, I did not put anything down, but uh. Yeah, so she'll, she'll use that occasionally, and they're ve- they're really fucking cool. Like it's actually super neat to watch her engage with that stuff. But um, yeah, so they just uh, Oculus uh, actually funded um, and developed uh, with uh, Armature Studio. Um, I don't know if they're owned by Facebook at this point or not, but um, anyway, they they developed a custom version of Resident Evil Four um, for Oculus Quest specifically. Um, and the reason I would I, I say specifically is because like Facebook as a VR company is moving into a direction where games don't require the PC and like have to run exclusively on like the mobile chipsets that run on, on the quest. Um, and Resident Evil four does not require being connected to a PC. It's just, it can run straight off of the, the quest hardware. Um, and, uh, it's, I have not touched Resident Evil four probably since it came out on, on GameCube. I've like, you know, I'm, I like many, have probably been suckered into repurchasing it like once or twice, loaded up the village section that the game opens with and went, yeah, that village was pretty cool. And then like, didn't, didn't touch the game again. I think the last time I might've touched it was when it came out on Wii and the motion controls seemed like an interesting addition for, for the aiming, but I I don't think I've meaningfully played the game uh, much since then. And so I was curious to see, like what was going on here in the VR version, because the big pitch was it's not just like they'd done real work to like adapt the game that it, that it isn't just like, ah, oh, we dropped you. It's like a, a game mod and we just dropped you in the world and you can point the gun. I mean, they've completely overhauled the interface. Um, I guess I've, I saw it today. They've taken out some of the misog- misogynistic language used by Leon Kennedy in the game and also the ability for players to do upskirt shots. Like, so they've done some content changes uh, to, to the game as well that I think are new to to this version of the game. Um, 
and it's real. It's it is really, it is really neat in VR. I mean, at the end of the day, it is always cool to be able to hold up a gun with your hand in virtual reality. As like weird as that sounds to say out loud, I was like, let's clip that. Yeah, <laughs> at the end of the day, um, always. But, uh, but it's, pre- you know what's pretty but it, cool. <laughs> but it is fucking cool when like a like this like you know why this this crazed I forget what the the virus is called in. Las Plagas, I think is, yes, yes, yes. Uh, um, I haven't gotten to the point where it sprouts out of their, their head yet, but like, I'm just in like the opening uh, two hours. Um, but when like, you know, like getting into that village and in some ways it's like charmingly archaic because it's just like my memory of going into that village is so strong. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you come back into it now and it's like, ah. Oh, Oh, yeah, like this is a pretty small piece of like environment. And there's really not a whole lot for you to do here. And the enemies don't really do much except walk and run and throw axes at you from from the roof. But <laughs> um, setting that in VR, I don't know if it's like transformative, but it's a really interesting way to engage with that space again and makes it interesting in a way that as someone that doesn't really replay games, um, like it makes it fun to revisit th- this space and like. Man, like part of the things that people always talk about is like how fun it is and like Resident Evil 4 specifically to do the Tetris puzzle thing where you're arranging the items in your uh, kind of like briefcase or yeah. whatever. It is so much fucking cooler to do that when you can twist the objects with your hand. So like I'm <laughs> I'm like on one hand, I'm like picking up a vial and I'm holding it. And like with another hand, I'm like, I'm, t- I'm turning the way the gun is positioned on, on like the, the, the you know, like the, the, the grid, grid structure. Yeah. And like, I'm just like, and I'm actually physically pl- like kind of, you know, feels physically placing or I'm like holding a button, pulling it back in like three dimensional space. And then like laying it back down. It's like, Oh, I was like, I, I spent a good 20 minutes just like <laughs> playing with that in a way that is like far more satisfying than just clicking like right or left on a D pad to rotate it or like a lot of games these days where it's like, do you want us to just like do this for you? And it's like, yeah, that, that probably should be an option, but I, I, it's not here. And I, I was really enjoying, um, um, playing with that. They, they do some things like some of the, some of the VR games that involve shooting. Um, I think they call it like immersive mode in this, mm-hmm. which is like, uh, you can, uh, use your, uh, the, the buttons on the Oculus controllers to, grab the objects on Leon. So it's like, Hey, your gun is at your hip. Like your knife is, uh, is up on your shoulder. Like the, uh, health kit is like up on your right. And it's like, you can just grab that stuff and immediately use it. Uh. Or the game is like, would you like to hold a button? And like a weapon wheel comes up. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I would. No, um, no, I want to grab the shoulder, uh, the shoulder knife. <laughs> you want to experience like using one of those little claw grabbers to like haul a pistol out of your pocket. <laughs> Yeah, um, so that, that part that stuff's kind of goofy, but it's it's like neat the first time in the tutorial, and then I was like, no, I'd rather just like let me just pick the the weapon wheel. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a really well done like one of these. If you want like a reason to revisit Resident Evil Four that isn't just like running through it the same way you did, they've really completely redesigned the puzzles. I haven't really inter- interacted with those yet, but the kinds of uh, oh, a small thing that's redesigned is not a puzzle, but when you get to the typewriter. Um, all the buttons on the typewriter work, and so like the way, so the way that the controls work. I let me uh grab one over here. This won't make any sense for people listening, but at least so I can explain it for people for for you guys watching. Like 
if you're holding this Oculus Crest controller, it has it can detect if your finger is being uh, is is just sitting on top of the the kind of the trigger button, mm-hmm. and the moment you lift it off, games can recognize that as like a pointer finger, and it it can know like where that is in the space, so that you can point your finger and touch things in the environment. <laughs> and so I spent too much time getting to the first save, and it was like, "What do you want to name it?" And I was like, "What do you mean? What do I want to name it?" And then I looked down, and I was like. <laughs> oh, I can just poke it with my fingers and was just playing with the typewriter. Good. Like, you know, you hit return to save uh, when you come back. Good feedback. Does it like have it feels good... very it feels it's it feels really it feels really good. And it even has a little bit where when you return and you don't want to make a, a new save, you just want to overwrite. It's like a little overwrite button pops up and it's just like bink, and you hit it with your <laughs> finger and it goes down. I was like, oh, this is this is great. Um, like that, my understanding is they've applied that level of thoughtfulness to like a lot of the games, like sliding puzzles and like other weirdness that you find mm. in a resident evil game um, where um, instead of kind of like fiddling that with a controller, you're like actually getting some, some kind of like tactile interactivity. If I could have uh, felt that statue that, slide into place. I think I would have like <laughs> had a lot of time saved. Uh, they, they also, this game is full of quick time events and it doesn't it doesn't try to cram that into VR. It's like one of the things that would happen is like uh, if you stagger an enemy in RE4, you could hit the A button or equivalent. And <laughs> Leon Kennedy does like a backflip to kick them in the face. Yeah. And it's just kind of a way of stunning them for a moment while you deal with crowds because like crowd control is a huge part of, of RE4. Um, and the game just like comes out to a third person perspective to just show you that and it's like okay okay. this would feel very weird in vr if you were like flipping through the air um vr already causes enough motion sickness for a lot of people um so that that stuff is um it just seems like a really thoughtfully done version of this game if that's something that you'd find interesting and you can get over the ethics of you can no longer make an oculus account it's all just facebook accounts so it's like even if you don't have a facebook i can't make a facebook account you can't. It's, it's I'm, I'm, in, I am extremely locked out due to failure to update from a university email address. Uh-oh. And they're like, can you just send us your driver's license? And I'm like, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> Fuck off. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, all, all those things uh, considered, I... Uh, I, I would I would recommend it. Uh, RE4 on on VR is is pretty neat. I don't I don't know that I'm going to play through the whole game again, but I am probably going to play through hmm. at least a couple more hours because it is it is can neat we, and is going to be that. Uh so pr- you can definitely uh, like cast from it. Like that's hmm. one, the way I watch. So the way the way you watch what people are doing in the quest is that it works like a Chromecast, so that you can. Um, just like any, any, you know, most TVs have some sort of like, right, you know, right. like Google cast built in and it can just display in any of those TVs. My guess is it, it probably. I don't know how you capture a quest, um, but you could probably my guess is you can run it on your PC and it's just like going into the quest. I don't know. Maybe we could look into can it. You cast it to your computer. I've, I mean, I just feel like maybe that might be fun to stream for a little bit. Yeah, VR stuff is difficult to stream your, just because it it makes people camera very there, people see you waggling around. <laughs> really good. <laughs> uh, I, I will look into it because yes, that would be fun. You know, it's the, one of the 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 more the funnier uh, motions in the game is you, uh, like swiping your knife. Like you have to really swipe it to get the, to get it to trigger. Like if you just when you uh, equip the knife, if you just kind of move it around, like. And try and touch a crate or an enemy, it doesn't do anything. You really got to go, 
And so I like always find myself making noises as I'm doing it. I'm like trying to slash the neck of this this poisoned villager um, to, to get them away from me. Uh, it's good. Resident <laughs> Evil 4 is good. I, it's, I, it makes me very excited to see what Capcom is going to do with that full-fledged remake because I think that could be fucking awesome. I think RE4 is has aged to the to the to a degree that it it could it's probably difficult for people to go back and appreciate like how novel and groundbreaking it was and it is the kind of game that could benefit from like a full-on just like complete visual overhaul because like the base game there is still really really fucking good but it needs some like usability and and other updates where i i I hope capcom pulls it off um because it could be re4 is still an excellent game kind of what is what happened with concern date hold on i was gonna just take a break and come back on this all right. All right. Uh, so we will take a break here. And after after that, we're finally going to pay some overdue attention to the question bucket. Uh, so get ready for emails to be answered. I'm pretty confident we might just drain the bucket today. I got a good feeling about it. Nothing's going to derail Haunted us. Haunted chocolatier. All right. We'll be right back. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, so what is this, Kata? Breaking news. Uh, the, the, I didn't, I didn't see this until, uh, Patrick had mentioned it, but you know the new um, new game from the person who made Concerned Ape, who made uh, Stardew Valley, which looks very similar. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I almost guessed this was. I was like watching the little. Um, it's like a minute trailer. And I was like, this looks like maybe a DLC for Stardew or something, but um. Yeah, I'm not 100% yeah, so the sure. Shows... It looks very similar, though. So, like, I think it's... If you enjoyed Stardew Valley, this seems like it's going to be more in that vein. But in a new new setting, new, you know... If you've already plumbed the depths of that valley too many times, <laughs> this looks like uh, right up your alley. It's a good name. Yeah, Haunted Chocolate here. I, I do not envy people naming things in this day and age. Like, just so many things are taken, and Haunted Chocolatier is an extremely very good. good name. Yeah. I mean, Stardew Valley is a great name, too. Yes. Um, so I guess I'm not super shocked that um, they managed to come up with something equally. I, I tried to like Stardew Valley. I think it's excellently made for what it is. It yeah. just turns out I don't, I don't care for, like, tending to a farm. Um, I, was, I was far more interested in the, like, the visual novel 
romantic stuff and not the the farm the stuff. Like, well, Patrick's con- furious he could not fuck his way through Stardew Valley. Seating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this feels like so like I think it, it shows a, a few moments where you're like laying things out or laying out the the sh- the like shop. I guess your chocolate shop since you're a chocolatier. That seems to probably be replacing the farming in this game because they don't. Is show that an any official farming. name? Is a chocolatier a, an actual vocation? Yeah, I'm yes. not using them. Oh yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's real. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's it's what it's a very trendy uh like craft these days as well um like some there there's some hack chocolatiers out there let me tell you Uh, rob nothing would shock me less than discover that you have thoughts on the hack chocolatiers that is that is mm, that's right there yeah it's like i'm sure the haunted chocolatier will be a real one is is uh is as part of this driven was like when people got bored of making bread they got into making chocolate. No, this is I think this has been ongoing. Mm. Uh, like like I think part of it is uh there's a lot of different like I, I think chocolate as a medium allows a great deal of like possibility for expression. Like you can, there's you can either get really down the rabbit hole like creating really good like different takes on dark chocolate or mm. you can get more in the like creating candies. Uh, thing and like sort of crafting your own dessert or truffle uh, based around. I think that's that's sort of where it stems from. Uh, plus, like, I don't know what the margins are, but I assume they're pretty good. Like, if you if you know what you're doing versus what people are willing to pay for mm. like nice chocolates, I imagine it's actually a pretty decent like boutique business you can run. I mean, I just say this because, I mean, like, I, I think I had to basically pass a right? credit check at Burdick's in Boston. What? <laughs> Every everyone everyone loves chocolate, right? Love chocolate, chocolate and Who peanut doesn't? butter. Really, lots, but I mean, lots of people. Fine too, but doesn't Austin not like chocolate? Does Austin not like chocolate? I think Austin's repeatedly on the Damn. record like, eh, chocolate. Is he here anymore? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> So now we've we've tilted the scales on. We're we're, we're firmly pro now we're pro chocolate. Pro chocolate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Like there are. I guess I'm emotionally scarred by the time I got totally suckered at the farmers market. <laughs> I should have. I I should have known. Like I basically got buttonholed by the uh, chocolatier equivalent of like Kristen Cinema. Uh, oh God! Where it, uh, some like some desperate and slightly off kilter seeming person in a big goofy hat okay. and a goofy little suit. He was like, "May I tempt you with some chocolate?" And I was like, "I don't know. Like, sure. Yeah, this all seems like fried, like local chocolate. Sure, I will. I will get this." It was nasty shit. It was. Oh no! Oh, dude, it was like poorly tempered. Um, like it, it just looked. It looked grimy. Is the way I put it. Like, oh, I don't know. That's not, not a word. Even I even color. To- uh, basically, like it was really modeled, but not in a way that was achieved for effect. It was more like, uh, yeah, like like poor tempering. Uh, really, like parts of this had not. Not only was it all remelted, but like parts of it had not, uh, like come back together effectively. So I'm still pissed about it, and I'm like. Get out of here with your with your with your fake chocolates. I don't know. I don't know who told you you could do this, but you can't. I would say keep at it, and maybe you should, but like don't be selling it. <laughs> never gonna never gonna share my chocolate creations with Rob. Such strong. No, see, but I'd be happy to. I'd be like, I will tell you, hey Patrick, like this needs some work. This is coming along really nicely. But if you were like, hey. Want to pay me fifty dollars for these for this box of like twenty truffles? 
And I'm like, uh, sure. Okay. I want to support Patrick in their garbage. Then I'll, then we got a problem. I will not be, I will not be happy with you, Patrick. Okay. Well, good to know. How hard is it to make chocolate? Because I understand it's pretty fucking hard. Depends. Are you making it from scratch? I mean, you must first create the the universe then. What is the equivalent of when people say, and I say, like, I made me on pizza last night, but I didn't uh-huh. make the dough. Like, I bought the, I like bought pre-made dough, yeah. and you still like stretch it out. You do the whole thing. Is there? Can you similarly? And it still ends up creating far better pizza than what you could have ordered like locally, sure. even if you're not doing it fully. But you also skip like ninety minutes of prep work okay, um, in so. order to do it. Does chocolate have a similar jump? Well, there's yeah. there's a bit of snobbery around it for sure oh it's shocking <laughs> like so one of the big divides is like yeah are you making uh your own like chocolate from scratch or are you doing what's called like remelting okay uh, all right so this is, is the equivalent you, that you I are gotcha. taking like mass-produced bars of like like a hundred percent uh like dark chocolate and remelting it and like uh, diluting it and sort of recombining it into uh, a bar that like you will not slap your own brand on. Um, and this is like one of the reasons that I think there's a, a label called like Mass Brothers that you probably have seen in the store. Um, really nice label art, really expensive, very boutique like presentation, but like apparently get really like dragged in the like uh in the market in the marketplace for basically like they're selling something they do not make uh they're they're melting chocolate and just like recreating and reselling it uh whereas like a lot of like chocolatiers are not doing that and they're creating something that is wholly theirs uh so i think that is where you run into some of this um but the once you get down to like candy making and starting to like do things with chocolate and create it, like use it as uh, structure and form, you start getting into stuff like, yeah, tempering the chocolate and it becomes really fussy from a temperature standpoint, um, timing standpoint. I know that like I'm pretty sure uh, there's at least a couple of people in our audience who who do this pretty seriously as a, as a hobby. Uh, there's somebody I would see like about every year at PAX East who uh, would make just tremendous chocolate um, but only like as a hobby. And so I would get like little samples and it was like, this is terrific. This is somebody who should be doing it like professionally, but they have a real job that probably still pays better than being a chocolatier, uh, haunted <laughs> or no. Um, but yeah. Man, some of these headlines about the fall of mass chocolate uh, when it was discovered about them doing the remelting. Like NPR having a headline that says, are you a sucker if you like Mass Brothers chocolate is pretty fucking harsh (laughs) for NPR. (laughs) So the thing is, you are, though, like, sure. So I didn't know any of this. I was I was a sucker who was like, "Ooh, nice label. This looks what a handsome bar of chocolate. I would eat that. And I was like, huh. This is kind of not I don't love it. Don't love it. And I tried a few different bars and it was like, no, like it was weird. You do a side by side thing where I was like, this is not as good as uh, like the one I was really liking at that point uh, that I was testing next to it was Tony Chocoloni. I want to say <laughs> Chocoloni. My kids, my kids Excuse favorite me. Saturday morning show. Yeah. Hey, oh, dude, look, at that, look at Tony look at Chocoloni. Google this. Just go- Google that. And uh, 
you will see that <laughs> oh like that God. is the vibe they're going for patrick um but like the thing yeah. that like this brand oh, is trying yeah. to do is like it has some, some bozo the clown. I've seen this shit going shit, on man. here. Yeah, it has a pretty like supposedly a, a pretty firm commitment to trying to ethically source uh, chocolate, which is really hard. Yeah, um, that is a that is a marketplace that is shot through with uh, abusive and exploitative practices. And so this this brand was like uh, trying pretty hard to like make sure they were sourcing it properly. Um, oh my God. There's a lot of tension the for like to... Do you know the story behind the name? Uh, I mean, I think the label tells you, but... Yeah. Okay, so yeah, he stepped up and took action. <laughs> uh, Toon decided to lead by example and make 5,000 fair trade chocolate oh bars himself. God. Tony's Chocolate Lonely was born, and because he felt like he was the only guy in the chocolate industry that cared about eradicating slavery from the industry, he named his chocolate Chocolate Lonely. Oh my fucking God. <laughs> It's a bit much, but to be fair, like last I checked, they did at least. Did he uh, write that? Did he write that line? Oh, for- <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Tony got um, into the Google Doc and was like, "Hey, I got this." But yeah, I mean, but it is, it, but it is a fair point. Like the one of the real tensions you run into in this space, I think there's a lot of overlap in this discussion between like what happens in the coffee industry as well. Yeah. Uh, where it's like they're different labeling standards, but then industry forces are always trying to dilute them to get their shit to qualify for those labeling standards so that because they know people are like, if I had my druthers, I would buy the good that is not it does not involve slave labor in the pipeline. And so there's a lot of there's there's always like attempts to or like abusive animal practices, for instance, in like uh like livestock farming. And there's always attempts to dilute label standards so that, like, you think I'm doing the right thing and I know that, like, this chocolate bar doesn't have any horrific, like, land exploitation or human exploitation practices in the background. But in the mean, in the background, there's, like, an industry lobby group that's, like, define slavery. <laughs> Jesus. And so that's that's what you start to run into with different... Um, Different, like, uh, like fair trade uh, standards. Right. Anyway, that's our chocolate minute. <laughs> the real, the real haunted chocolatier is our complicity in a broken supply chain. Mm. Um. So yeah, we're gonna get some chocolate emails. Looking we are, to but yeah. we're, we're we're fishing for. I'm I'm eager to hear. Tell us about your tempering. What's your what tools do you use to to temper that chocolate? Uh, what's your preferred labeling standard? Oh my God. <laughs> Things I sound arch about this. One, a hundred percent sincere. Mm-hmm. I want to hear all about it. Uh, okay, you keep so track of the heat levels in your fermenting chocolate <laughs> chocolate beans. <laughs> so here's a good question. This comes from Thursday. It's the writer's name. It doesn't come from okay. that was <laughs> like, that was my, today, I, yes. This person wrote like in as Thursday. My, I felt like my brain. Thursday, I, that was a band that I listened to occasionally in high school, I believe. That, mm. my, my brain is going to some places right now. Anyway, continue. Could also be a reference to G.K. Chesterton's uh, The Man Who Was Thursday. Who can say? <laughs> uh, anyway. Hey, Waypoint. Due to some messy family history, seafood was not eaten in my household growing up and was, in fact, heavily stigmatized. I've made it into my late 20s and I'm firmly away from those influences, but now 
have no familiarity with seafood and find it such an alien eating experience that it's hard to enjoy. This feels like a crime given that I live in a city with a bounty of incredible Southeast Asian, Mexican, and Middle Eastern restaurants available that I know are serving good food. So my question is this, what seafood dish would you serve to someone to try and make them fall in love with the sea? The only rule is no bell peppers. I feel like I feel like huh. getting getting people into seafood is tough. Yeah. Um because you essentially have to start with what if it doesn't taste like fish but it is fish and then work your way up, right? You know, where it's like the smell if you get a good piece of fish that smells like fish, I mean, I, mean, I could see how they immediately off-putting. What about um it? I feel like it has to be something where the fish is secondary, right? Like or like or it's fried. But right? this, this like, is this like, is what I mean by secondary. It's like the 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 main thing there that you're going there is the batter. If the batter is good enough and like the fish flavor is obviously like still in there, but it is the the main thing that hits you first is that batter and it's very strong. The like fish and chips, like a good fish and chips. Like I don't know mm-hmm. that anyone dislikes fish and chips unless they like just avoid it because they think fish bad. But the, you know a good cod is kind of not flavorless but very subtle in flavor uh, and it, but it does it has nothing that i would associate i, I rarely yeah. even register it as fish like right. when i think like oh i'm going out to have but it is called a, fish and chips so somebody already yeah, yeah. no 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 it, it falls <laughs> in the cat i just mean like it, it is so like it the taste of it is surrounded by like everything else or yes. you're, you're frequently dipping it in something else as well yeah. whether it's ketchup or something else it's like that is so predominant and upfront in a way that that can at least get you started with. I also think texture is like a huge problem with starting fish for sure. the first time. That's, that's the other right? issue. Is like bad fish and chips could also turn you off on it if like it's too dry and like you got to get uh, find a good place that does good fish and chips. And that's I feel like that's a perfect mm-hmm. very first tiptoe in. And then you like or fish okay, sticks. Fish sticks are also stop, in the same. Realm. Stop dipping it after this. Now just taste the fish a little bit. You see that. That can be nice. And then you start moving them up to other. I think then maybe shellfish. Kind of smoothly segued into channeling Remy talking <laughs> to a meal in Ratatouille. Getting the, getting the smoky. Yeah. And then and the other thing I think is like shellfish, um, lobster, right? That's also like not super smelly. And usually if you're dipping it in butter, the butter is like a really strong component of like what the taste is. I feel like that's also a good step up after the, like the breaded thing. If you're like going to like, this is still a subtle taste. It's not super strong. Some lobster, some, some crab sort of thing. I think is a pretty good, pretty good way to go. Yeah. But it's, I think yeah. if you've got good Mexican restaurants in the place, like I also, fish tacos just seem like, yeah, that's a good, I feel that falls in the same, the same realm as like the, the fish and chips debate is like how yeah. how do you get it in there so you can start where it's is it's neutral taste wise yeah but is enhanced by what's around it and yeah co- like yeah fish cod tacos that's a great that's that's also like a really well because there's bite size I think like fish and chips like really good fish and chips places mm-hmm. I often tend to my picture of like what they serve you it's a lot of fish <laughs> it's like here's a fried slab of fish and yeah. mind you I love that shit. But also, if you're like not sold, and it's like bam, well, and also, <laughs> the, the, you know, uh, you know, I, you know uh, we don't have a ton of details here on 
what exactly was the stigmatization that was happening here with Thursday? Like why, why was fish as a food uh, sort of like ostracized or like not a lot, you know? So like it, part of this is trying to guess like, well, where, where are your own hangups with even trying it? Right. Like mm-hmm. do, yeah. does it come from the smell? Does it come from the texture? I don't, I, I don't know how, why, I'm not trying to laugh. I was like, I don't know what shit talking was happening about fish right. in this family. Um, <laughs> so some, so some of that makes it more difficult to be more, like more specific on like, okay, well, if this is your, you know, issue, um, it's part of like with kids, you try and feed them fish really early so that they like try and get over some of those hangups. But at least what I found with my kids is like during the phase where they'll eat anything, they don't give a shit what it, what the texture is. They don't give a shit what it smells like. They're just going to put it in their mouth because it's a different, different so, taste and then the moment they have preferences you have to hide it and i hated ways. fish growing up i think everyone it. does oh, i was well, so impressed that one time when i went out to visit um some family and they had kids that are a little bit older than mine are now maybe they were like six and four and we ordered sushi and they ordered sushi for the kids like yeah. now granted it wasn't as you know they weren't getting sashimi but like they were they were eating rolls and they weren't all fried and i was like holy Bravo, because yeah. that is just, it's really, it's really difficult to pull off. And yeah, I'm with you. I, I like fish that and chips. I like fish sticks. Like I fry everything, all fish interactions were fried until like a See, much I encountered, but I hated all of that stuff. Like I, there was something uh, about that. Like I hated anything that wasn't Long John Silver's. I hated fish sticks. I hated well, all Well, okay, of it. Long John Silver's isn't a great example. No, but like, <laughs> like but, yeah, but dude, it's like in the early '90s in the Midwest. Like, yep. that's one of the that, places. That, that was that's yet. what fish yeah. was. You want you want fish tonight? That's you fair. go to you go to the city, you go, go to, to Long John. John. Or we had a Long John that we avoided like the plague because <laughs> I mean we were in Florida. There was a, there were better places, quite uh-huh, frankly. Sure. Uh, oh yeah, no, I mean, it, but it was oh, like the one get time. Get out of here with your Long John Silver snobbery, Cato. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, I was in Florida. <laughs> Done. Say no more. <laughs> My neighbor was making up, you know, uh, fried alligator. So I didn't I didn't need your long john. So I was angling by the time by the time I was old enough to walk. Yeah. You know, <laughs> honestly, we had a lake out back. Uh, it wasn't ours, but there was there. Well, so I think the but the other thing is like so that that illusion like fish smell, right? Like I turns out that's not right. Like that, if you're getting fresh fish, it doesn't have a particularly fishy smell. Right. Uh, right. So, like, that's that's another thing is that for me that was definitely like that never helped. But that was also because a lot of times the fish that was being sold at the supermarket was a little bit past its prime, uh, and and so like you'd be heavily seasoning to sort of get around this. But yeah, that didn't that didn't work for me. I think the the two things that turned me around on it was one, I was dragged to a sushi dinner. Uh, by a bunch of kids I was tutoring from Wasada University. And I was like, I don't know about this. And they're like, you are going to eat sushi at this. Yeah, so that happened. I think we, 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 this came up in a previous conversation about like, how do you broaden your palate? And it was like, I think I mentioned like when I moved to California and when I was 22, it's like, that's when I really, I, I, I like tried sushi and like, it was kind of like, eh. like, you know, I didn't hate it, but it was like not something I was going to seek out. But then I met a bunch of people who was like, yeah, so we do on Friday nights. And I was like, OK, and then found my way in and yeah. now, you know, adore it. Um, Yeah, I would also. Oh, gosh, what's the. um? Hang on. See, I enjoyed all fish. I was like those kids that you were talking about that ate sushi. 
the well, there's part I of the family trusted, culture. Like it's all it's all, it's also like is it is, is it part of like the family dining, right? Like right. you know, like oh, it wasn't. You know, it was just me. Oh. For some reason, oh, I don't know how. That's fucking weird, well, Gato. Well, because I was a fucking, well, you know, someone at the anime club bought sushi from the Publix because apparently Publix, like, Publix got in early on that grocery store sushi, like, real fucking early, you know? So, like, in middle school, I was like, damn, sushi fucking kicks ass. And I was the only one in my family who ever wanted sushi. Um, but I fucking funny. loved it. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, uh, Publix sushi. Good, good enough, you know. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's that's eighty percent of sushi that you can get there in the world. Like, this is fine. Yeah, this works. <laughs> can't. It's hard to fuck up a California roll. Yeah. I mean, it can be done, but it it ain't easy. Um. Also, like a good recipe that is a go to around our house is a uh, crispy salmon with lentils de puy. Uh, and is and uh. Mustard creme, uh, creme fraiche. Uh, that's a oh, serious eats recipe. Damn. Easy. Can't miss. Delicious. It'll smoke up your kitchen. Just Must- that's the fair <laughs> warning. You put the, the skin in the butter, like all hell breaks loose. But beyond that, it rolls. Um, let's see. Next question. Speaker etiquette. Hey, gang. I've been listening. I've been living in an apartment with my girlfriend for about a month now. Something that became immediately apparent was that our neighbor, who we've had no interaction with, has a poorly configured audio system. From 6 a.m. to around 10 p.m., the muffled voice of what sounds to be a male newscaster can be heard. This part is from for Rob. And from experience, I know that with almost 100% certainty, it's because his crossovers are set too high. If the vocal audio was just coming through a center channel, it would probably be fine, but it's hitting a subwoofer, making it pass through a wall. But here's the conundrum. I have a Dolby Atmos system, 5.2.2, that will soon be getting a fair amount of use. I fear that opening a dialogue critiquing my neighbor's system would yeah, make fucked. them more comfortable asking There's, me to make adjustments to my this own. This isn't a question. Have you ever had this sort of problem, an imagined or real standoff over apartment conduct with a neighbor? Uh, well, one of my, I, I, I shared a... Uh, you know, uh, a, a poor neighbor audio experience, a different one where I, the last place living in San Francisco, um, we couldn't, we, there was no rhyme or reason to when we would upset them. Um, you, I could not figure out exactly, but we never actually talked to one another. It would just, they would just stomp their feet, uh, but you know, where, where we were and uh, we would just like turn it down. And then I remember one time we had some folks over, uh, it's really like a GDC. I think like, I think, uh, <laughs> we had, uh, Phil fish and some other people, uh, over watching some terrible horror movies and it was like 9 PM and they stomped. I want to say it was Phil fish. Um, the, the Fez designer who took his shoe and just threw it at the ceiling. And then which prompted all of us to take our shoes off and throw it at the ceiling <laughs> as a countermeasure. And we didn't, we didn't hear from them after that. And I kept thinking, while that was that was aggressive, probably that maybe not the way to respond to that, nor the way maybe for them to interact with us. Perhaps I'll run into them and I can apologize and we could like figure out some just never ran into them. The only interactions we ever had was just like stomp. And then either we got quiet or we threw, <laughs> threw something back at the ceiling. And that's that's just how we handled it. it was acknowledging that we were frustrated with one another, but not actually coming to a resolution. Yeah, I've definitely 
it's very easy to fall into a belief. First of all, like it's super easy to start to thinking, start to think that somebody knows they're doing something and they just have no idea. Right. Like it's real easy to think that this person uh, is just blasting newscasts all day uh, like like an asshole. And And it might just be their white noise. It's like, hey, while they work, they just have the TV making, Uh, you know, it's just on. I mean, sure. This sounds pretty rough, though. Like that's. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not disputing that. I just mean if like. This person is able to like diagnose like like where where in the audio like channel chain it is causing an issue and could be potentially solved. Like most people don't know that they just turn it on. They plug in the thing and uh, like this could just be like a like a crummy soundbar subwoofer combination um, causing the issue. No, I I definitely ended up in like uh, imagined standoffs with with neighbors (laughs) Uh, over over various issues, and in most cases, just, it is totally imaginary. Um, but at the same time, like, so we had a neighbor. Uh, like, actually, our current neighbor uh, got really pissed at us because they were like, "The weed smells are just unbearable. Like, what are you doing all the time?" And they were like, they built up a head of steam when they came over and knocked on the door, and we're like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, we don't smoke, so <laughs> I don't know what, like, that ain't us. Uh, he's like, for real? And I was like, yes, like, absolutely. He's like, because I smell it, like, from the vent that, like, we sort of have a, a, a yeah. common vent system. And I'm like, yeah, that's not us. And it turned out to be that there's someone on the first floor of our building that is just, like, hot boxing all the time. <laughs> And through some quirk of the building structure, it just like sails vertically into one apartment in our entire building uh, that's getting blasted with this uh, all the time. And so they were like, he was real sheepish because he like he was pissed when he came and knocked on the door Mm -hmm. and it was so out of the blue and clearly like misdirected that uh, we started getting like gifts Um for like weeks afterwards, like, hey, was baking up, uh, you know, baked up some bread. Here are some bread, baked up cookies. Want some cookies? Like, it felt real guilty about this. Would have been like, a really good time to immediately pivot to getting really into smoking, though. <laughs> it it would have, it would have, but uh, yeah. So like, I I've seen it go the other way too, where it's like, person had built up this complete, like, imagined transgression, which is that we were the asshole stoner neighbors. Uh, and like was going to deal with this and then discovers that somebody like way somewhere else in the building that they have no relationship with at all. I, the first apartment that we lived in, in San Francisco, my, uh, wife was, uh, girlfriend then, um, switching jobs. She was making absolutely nothing. She managed to like, she was doing, she worked with people at HSBC, this banking company, working on their mortgages, something, something, something. It's been a long time. Anyway, she wasn't making much money. I was make I I think the first job I had in San Francisco, and I, granted, it's been you know, you know, fifteen years or whatever, eighteen years since that. Um, but it was like for forty two, forty five thousand dollars. Like we <laughs> didn't have that much money to live downtown, and so we took the the one we like went to like you know a dozen places, and like one place called us back and like, do you want it? And it's like, well, it's not like I'm sitting here with a set of choices like this is the thing in my budget and you're the only one who presented an offer anyway so it was this this building where um i've never had anything like this since but like the 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 way it was architected um 
there was like kind of a like a column open space in the middle, but it wasn't like a, a common area. It was nowhere to access it. It was just like there was a pillar in the like built into the middle of this building, but all of your windows like fed into it. So it was like this hmm. square. And so you have like uh, yeah. apartments surrounding it. Um, so you can see into everyone else's apartments, you know, unless you have blinds and, and all that stuff. And um, frequently you, you, you could see into those other apartments. And so um, when it was like warm and, you know, we didn't have control over the, you know, the AC and, you know, things like that. It was like, you'd have to have the windows open and you just have to cross your fingers that, well, this Friday night, Hopefully the people across the way aren't getting in a fight or hopefully they just start having sex soon. I was like, we weren't sure where in the arc we were of like them being like mad and drunk and upset at each other. And it was like, became like very uncomfortable because you kind of had to have the window open, but also you were just like waiting for people to go through the arc of their night. um, (laughs) So you could just get back to watching Battlestar Galactica or whatever. Um, It was it. I have fond memories of it now because it was so quirky and weird. It was f- fucking miserable at at the time. It just there was just no way to avoid the interior lives of everybody else because it was like right in your face. Um, and there wasn't any, and it was not a situation where you could tell people like, I mean, people people would yell, "Keep it down!" Like you would see people like from below, like three floors below, like stick their heads down and be like, "Shut the fuck up!" If someone was <laughs> particularly obnoxious, but it kind of just felt like you had to eat it. Because they're like, look, this is just a crummy setup. Like, the acoustics here are terrible. You have to have the windows open occasionally. Like, this is just what it is. And, I don't know, put on headphones or, like, just leave. Like, we would just go to the bar because it's like, I just don't want to be here while people go through what their Friday night's going to be. Um, it was a, it was a weird it was a weird setup. That reminds mm-hmm. me of uh, the alley I used to live on in Baltimore. Did I... Mentioned this on the podcast recently. I feel like I've told this story. Maybe it was somewhere else. Uh, it was just, it was literally every other week, some couple broke up in that alleyway at 2 a.m. in a oh, screaming yeah. match. I don't know yep, yep, yep. if it was the same couple Reading or if bars. it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, there were a yep. couple around. So, like, it made sense. I We kind of understood where they were coming from, but they always decided to cut through that alley <laughs> <laughs> right, right under our window. Uh, God. The sheer number of times you realize that, like, how easily we become stock characters at various moments of our lives when you're, like, exposed to stuff like that, where, yeah, like, you live you live near, like, college bars, for instance, you will hear the same breakup, like, every couple months. Mm-hmm. You will hear the same meltdown over a night out gone sour, uh, like, repeatedly, and it's just, like... It's not the same person, but it kind of is the same person. And probably it was you at some point, too. Oh, yeah. um, so contemplate this. Waz asks. What's up? Waz asks. Waz asks. What is your favorite TV show intro and your favorite outro? Oh, hmm. I mean, right now it's it's the succession one. I, I'm not caught up. That is a very good intro with an awesome piano theme that I won't skip, even though I don't need to see the old timey movie clips for the thousandth time. Hmm. Hmm. I'm looking up the name of the song. What is this again? Yes, again by Yui is the name of the song. The 
first intro to the Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood anime. Absolute fucking rips. Love this shit. Almost pasted it into a different Discord. Here, y'all. Enjoy that. <laughs> That's my favorite uh, fucking opener. The world of anime is full of just yeah, they fucking real amazing anime. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's kind of, yeah, kind of their one of their uh, calling cards. Yeah. Uh, well, and especially like network TV now has gotten away from uh, intro music, right? Like, I mean, we we don't have the jingle anywhere near the degree that we like. Cheers has a really long opening credit sequence, right? That like you know a lot of us remember. Yeah. Of uh, well, like, it's like they're like prestige shows have kept it right. Like that's why you have a Succession or right. a Game of Thrones or a Westworld, uh, in which they make very good. Yeah. They. They turn they turn them into like kind of little mini uh, you know little short films into a to a certain degree. I mean, you watch the Game of Thrones ones a billion times because every time you notice something a little bit different about the the world. Also, the world changed like yeah. they changed that intro. Yeah. It's like oh, we're going like here this week. Yeah, like yeah, that was really fucking cool. It was like a reason to watch that as opposed to you know the Netflixification of all that stuff in which it's like, would you like to skip this shit? It's like, like yeah, yeah, I guess I would. Um, I mean, I always enjoyed, obviously, I have a real soft spot for the show Lost, but I loved the way they deployed that intro because it was three seconds long. Right. It always came It always came after, like, the opening bit to, to an episode, and then it was like, Lost, you know, like, as the, <laughs> as the logo came across the screen. My understanding is that was just, like, something that J.J. Abrams did on his laptop, like, as a throwaway, and then they were mm. like, eh, actually, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, let's just leave it. Um, <laughs> Amazing. And then it just stuck for the rest of the show. Um, <laughs> but I liked that one because it, it had character, right? Like, it was, like, you know, like, felt. And the best ones have some sort of thematic characterization with with shows, but that's one of those things where, like, kids aren't, people who are growing up now, like, that, those that just aren't going to really be part of shows unless you're watching it on, like, an HBO thing in which it's kind of a legacy uh, thing, but I think intros are kind of going away. Yeah. Um, the Breaking Bad one was similar to that, right? Like the bow, like that was a short one that also uh, I always looked forward to to hearing. Yeah, I I still have a soft spot setting aside anime because I think like for instance, I think you know Ava has just yeah fucking an all timer hell yeah like the <laughs> editing and the way the editing syncs up with the music is is tough to beat but in terms of like network shows that uh, or or cable uh shows that that I've enjoyed um i think intro i always love the intro to terriers um which is a single season fx like pi like drama uh starring Don, uh donald logue and the thing i love about it is it opens on some cool like uh, you know, surf rock kind of sound, but it's like oddly joyless is the way I would put it, uh, which is very much like that series, right? Like Terriers is a funny show about like San Diego private detectives, but like ultimately it's a really heartrending show. Um, and so like the sting is always concealed in the tail a little bit. Outros, look, it dates me, sure. But I do love hearing those blues of Colin <laughs> and toss salad and scrambled eggs. Well, I love it. Well, it's just the, the, the oh, outro is even more uh, antiquated than the the intro. I mean, like that's one that of the last great outros. Yeah, because I, I was trying. I was kind of at a loss to. I was trying to think of one, and that's that's the one that would come to mind for me as well. But 
like how many how many out like how many good outros right even, even exist even are there right you know that's just uh good ones not many anime again that, killing it in anime this again yeah <laughs> that's the one i was actually that's where i was holding ava it's just like that song choice is very funny for the content of that show <laughs> i mean like to, to fly me to the moon just after like uh, some horrible depressing shit has happened and then it's like <laughs> there aren't even like to speak to how little there are of these i can't even get like a buzzfeed list Top of them 10, like, like there aren't outros the, google thinks i i mistyped and it's like no yeah here's all the best tv theme songs and intros that you want to scroll through and i'm like no i don't um uh i was uh, the, uh, the, the the one i really like these days is i will always even though it's a modern show uh, the What We Do in the Shadows TV show, which is excellent. Mm. Please go watch that show. It is so goddamn funny and has gotten funnier with each season. Um, that, yeah. Just the, so- the, the, That's the song that plays over it is so catchy. Very good. Um, yeah, Dan, yeah. Like, I listen to it every single time. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, like I, I will think about skipping it and my wife will, like, see my finger going. She's like, no, that song rips. And I'm like, okay, yeah. all right, sorry. It You're does. right, it does. Let's listen to it again. <laughs> Uh, um, it's in the news now, so I'll say it aloud because that—that's why it popped into my brain again. The fucking the real folk blues, cowboy bebop mm. ending song. Yep, another oh, fucking yeah. banger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the intro and outro. Oh yeah, to, I mean yes, uh, bebop are are all timers. All the music in that goddamn show. God, yes. Uh, very worried about that fucking <laughs> live action. Oh. Don't worry, we're gonna we're, we're, we'll do a podcast. <laughs> oh, I think we should God. do a podcast. I think I proposed in the oh. past doing a. Doing a review of the pilot and the pilot oh, is what God. I is I think the way I pitched it. Yeah. Um, that's nev- next month, to... right? Next month, November. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know. It's, it's soonish. <laughs> I don't want to know. It hurts. Uh, yeah, it's it's tough. It's it was it's always a tough assignment. Um, yeah, I will be I'll be bummed if it doesn't pan out, but it may get, not. We're going to get the soundtrack. We get this. We get an original an, another original Cowboy Bebop soundtrack from. Yoko oh, Kana. man, I hope they break Yoko the Kana. metadata like last time. Just what? <laughs> Cowboy Bebop has notoriously unworkable metadata for its for its soundtrack. Like oh. you'll buy you'll like buy the soundtrack for Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. And your collection will populate with like 80 different albums with ah. like misat- misattributed music. Uh, it's perfect. Wow. What? Oh, yeah. Oh I, my even, God. I even bought it again to try to solve this issue. It's inherent. Like It is built in <laughs> to the way that soundtrack is tagged and the way it was released. So if you Weird. buy like the whole collection. It's just a fucking mess. Um, unfortunate, I say. Yeah. <laughs> Even even Mighty Rune cannot cannot bring order to that chaos. Um, <laughs> You're not going in there and fixing that shit yourself. No manual editing of the metadata. I mean, I I could, but the thing is, like, I how sure am I that I'm right? You can at least make it one album. <laughs> could the seatbelts have written all of this? <laughs> mm. Yoko Kano and the seatbelts. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> No, just the seatbelts. This one's just the seatbelts. <laughs> I hesitate. I'm Go not ahead. sure, but we'll we'll see. Uh, so a while back, I made some. Uh, I asked some questions about machine learning and AI. Hmm. 
and some people wrote in. Now, admittedly, I may have been rendered a hypocrite, as Patrick pointed out, uh, <laughs> by the fact that I've I enjoy uh, the the little pen on my surface. Patrick was like, well, wow. that's 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 machine learning right yeah. there, my friend. And I'm like, but it's for good. It's <laughs> it's it's for it's for allowing me a virtual notebook. So I like I mean, you know, AI machine learning, it's all it's all justified now uh, for, for that. We all we all have our problematic tech fave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my new Tumblr. However, so we got some good responses, and I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed this one a great deal. So Taylor wrote in, Highway Pointies, I enjoy that less, maybe. Highway Pointies, <laughs> I'm writing in about the discussion of fundamental research. Let's do mailbag again and just oh. chuck these people into the fire. Damn. And it's ties slash applications to the military from episode 421. I'm an experimental physics grad student, and one of the numerous reasons I chose not to do my PhD in the U.S. is how closely tied to fundamental research, the how closely tied fundamental research is to military research is there. Uh, however, to some extent, it goes the other way. Some of my earlier research was on positron, the antimatter counterpart of electrons, confinement. And in researching some of the prior work, I found that one of the early workers on this had received over $2.5 million in small business innovation research grants, mm. of which 40% are funded by the DOD, to study this technology for propulsion for miniature munitions and advanced, advanced energy source for micro platforms. From everything I know, this basically has no chance of actually ever being viable. It's absurdly energy intensive to produce positrons in meaningful numbers. And despite having about the highest possible energy per unit of mass, they annihilate on contact with electrons, converting the mass of both electron and positron uh, uh, to energy via everyone's favorite E equals MC squared. You can't actually get enough of them together to form a high energy density because they're positively charged and they repel each other. Even if you could produce and contain a large number of positrons in a small volume, the energy they produce is in the form of gamma rays, which oh, it would be very difficult and inefficient to extract useful work from and would also irradiate everything nearby. The current world record for confined positrons is 4 billion, the annihilation of which released about one millijoule, enough to raise the temperature of a gram of water by about 0. 0.0002 degrees centigrade. If the water absorbed every single gamma ray. In short, I'm pretty sure this guy knew his claim military application was total bullshit and just took the money to fund whatever he thought was actually interesting in this field. And I suspect there are many others like him. One of my undergrad profs was a big fan of railgun research for the same reason. Bunch of physicists get paid piles of money to siphon resources from the military into a weapon that's most likely never going to kill anyone. That's the world of grant applications right there. Great. You just, you, f you find, you just find the magic words and uh, you, you get that funding. I think you can do the same thing right now with quantum computing. Uh, if you can connect something to quantum computing, uh, then, then the keys, the kingdom uh, will be, will be handed to you. Um, we also got an email from Jesse so I've been working in machine learning for the last six years and had some thoughts about the ethical uses of machine learning. First off, anytime someone uses the term AI, I immediately assume they're trying to sound pompous. Some people genuinely research artificial intelligence, but the vast majority are just trying to make machine learning sound pretentious. Same thing with deep learning. It almost always is just computational statistics. 
Personally, my main concerns with using machine learning are consent and intention. I don't know that most users are informed enough to consent to their usage data, but I'm okay with getting more targeted ads for local farms. I see this as a logical extension of existing advertising, and I am skeptical that these ads do a great job of tricking people into purchases beyond what advertising in the 1990s could accomplish. Parenthetical, I think that skepticism is well-founded, and I'm pretty sure the reckoning is either already here or underway for targeted advertising. Like, it feels like that entire, like, idea that that was going to be the future of, like, selling people shit, and it would be way more effective than just, like, a two-page spread. Debatable. We're seeing, we're seeing some of that with, like, you know, Apple having, like, pushed a bunch of turning off targeted ads to their, like, to their devices. And it, like, you know, they're, they're, places like Facebook are still selling ads. It's, you know, the, people have to buy something to, to advertise to people somehow. And it'll work yeah, itself but, out. Yeah, but the, the great lie was that there would be some yeah. sort of special sauce about, like, targeted ads. Um, and that doesn't seem to be the case. Back to the email. On the other hand of the spectrum, I am not okay with facial recognition used broadly in law enforcement. I did not give my consent, and the intention is often to harass protesters. There's a land grab for data right now so that the government, companies, and police can normalize using our data so that we don't protest when we find out. Mm. Another good example comes from my previous industry of car insurance. Credit score is used to raise premiums on people with poor credit history. While having a lower credit score is predictive of more car crashes, this practice still amounts to a tax on the poor. Some states, like California, outlaw this practice, but it is used in nearly every other state. I recently switched jobs to a company. Pardon? Predictive is an interesting word choice, but continue. Uh, I recently switched jobs to a company that uses network data to predict when companies or government agencies are being hit by a ransomware attack. The consent intention is much clearer in this case, but obviously we have customers like big oil companies and the less popular government agencies. I'm not fooling myself into thinking I'm using my powers for good while the rest of the machine learning world is evil, but I feel a little better than I would developing a gotcha game or building financial models. Yeah, those do seem to be the 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 points where there's there's a lot of friction, and I I had not realized that like predictive uh, modeling was being used that extensively, um, or like in areas like that. I just don't think of it. Um, but yeah, yeah, you can see you can see the various lines that are crossed there, uh, right and left. I don't know if that's inherent to machine learning, right? Like that's did you need a machine to match? credit score you know and and i guess theoretically the machine correlated that data with car car crashes right yeah That's but what I, I don't know it, it doesn't necessarily seem like you needed the most advanced techniques to get there it's just like you would have crunched through a ton of data it's it's interesting though um there's one more email on this i want to read but we'll save it for another day because it's kind of long um and it is it gets to some some good stuff, uh, I would say. Last question. Eric in Washington, D.C. asks, what video game do you think could actually inspire a good movie? Hmm. I mean, obviously Doom. Hmm. Did you just say Dune? Doom. <laughs> yeah, the Westwood, the Westwood Studios strategy game, Dune. Um, Dune 2000. Great game. I love that game. That oh, wasn't yeah. that. I didn't play it. EA 11 Little pack of PC video games. sequences. Love that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Can you believe you had an entire battle instead of inside a highliner? Man. <laughs> the wonders <sighs> of the Dune world. I didn't even realize the highliner was that big until they were like, you can have a tank battle inside of it. And I was like, now I see why those navigators need the spice. Imagine piloting that beast. 
through through the stars. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know that it would have been a good movie, but I I do lament the the fact that that Gore Verbinski Bioshock movie never got made hmm. because Verbinski is is his movies are kind of all over the place, but boy, he's got a real visual eye. His movies are very fucking striking. Um, and just like a big budget version of Rapture would have been, would, would have looked, I would have loved to have seen a big daddy like realized as like an on-screen villain. Again, I don't know that that would have been a good movie, but <laughs> Verbinski was pinching that as, hey, I'm going to ride post Pirates of the Caribbean into a big blank check R-rated hyper-violent Bioshock film. I, w- I would have watched that. Um, it would have looked it at least looked really fucking cool. I don't um, like good movie is like I, I don't you know, that's hard to predict. Like I don't I don't you know, yeah, Mass Effect could be a really cool TV series, right? Like there's a lot there that, that could be neat. But I mean, so much of what I think about what does it mean for it to be a good movie <laughs> is like what would be a cool world that would be neat to see, you know, in in the physical realm? Um, I don't know necessarily that I care all that much about video game stories being translated to 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 the film screen. Give me a give me a live action Kingdom Hearts just for the chaos, please. Oh my please. god. Jesus Christ. Disney would, <laughs> Disney would never <laughs> never They made they made they made Nintendo erase Goofy and Donald from the art. So uh, that's still so fucking funny. Yeah, the background incredible. art in 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 the uh yes. Kingdom Hearts stage on the Smash yes. Smash level. Yeah. They God. put yeah, the the thing, you know, the beloved umbrella or whatever it is the icons they replaced yeah. it with. It was just some real, I don't know, man, Here's what the shield. fuck else are we supposed to put here? Yeah. <laughs> Kata? I don't know. Video games, I don't know. It feels like it, I can I don't often consider this in this direction because so much, you know, so much about the way that game story, game narrative kind of reveals itself is through the interaction often. So, like, it's easier to imagine inserting interaction between moments of story, but I'll make a fucking Metal Gear movie. You know the you know uh, one that just got uh, licensed. Um, I don't know that ended up getting made, but the 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 folks that published, uh, I think it's Raw Fury, maybe not. I don't know. Whoever published Sable, um, mm. like signed with a production company who like wants to do stuff with a bunch of their properties, including Sable. Mm. Um, that war that world would be cool. And yeah, right. And that story is like that. That's actually one where yes, a lot of what you get out of Sable, what makes it exceptionally special. This is also a way of me sneaking in that I went back weeks ago and I finished that game and it fucking rules despite the fact that the frame rate is atrocious and you shouldn't Still play it f- until they patch it. <laughs> it's really bad. It's 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 on Xbox. It's it's so bad. Mm-hmm. I, I, I pushed through it because I felt the pull of the game and I didn't want to lose it, but it's bad. Like I just would just not recommend touching it until they're working on a patch. They, they've said that there will be something that makes this smooths it out. So I would wait for that. But that game is. That is a game of the year contender if there if there ever was one. And despite the fact that so much of what makes it special is inherent in like the scale and the inner like the way I'm like moving about this world. Yeah. All that is true. And yet so much of what like that world is cool as hell. And like the story of this person going off and discovering themselves in in an air in a in a planet like this depicted on screen. I would watch that show. I think that well, could Patty, be really I have great cool. news. 
Yeah. Like, imagine that you have to strike out on your own uh-huh. uh, after you realize you've been the product of a millennium-long breeding program by the Bene Gesserit, and now you have to find your calling on a desert world uh, surrounded by, like, relics and ruins. And you have to, like, get in with the various people uh, who inhabit that desert. Okay. Um, I think... I, I think the movie you, what would you, that you crave, what would you even call something like that? I don't know, like <sighs> sandstorm. No. <laughs> uh, what are those things wait, in the desert? It tre- like tremors. It's like a mountain. Tremors. It's called like tremors. Right? Yeah, tremors. I like oh that Kevin Bacon movie. <laughs> yeah, it's got that. those uh, yeah. those big sandworms. Tremors. Yeah. So oh, Patrick, that. go see go see the the movie you 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 seek is already, already exists. It's tremors. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> nothing nothing else for you to worry about. I am. I am actually. I'm. My. Uh. My wife is. The the Lynch Dune is like a cultural. Is like a a kid. That's like a movie that uh her and her brother wore out the VHS of. And <laughs> so we are for the first time in nearly two years going to a movie theater. I don't even count me. I went to a movie theater by myself at two p.m. on a Wednesday to go see purge anarchy or whatever oh, yeah. that, that was the, the the newest one was that we reviewed over the summer i didn't count that that didn't feel like going to the movies uh the movies. but now i am i am i am i am properly going to the cinema to go to go see you i know nothing of it the movies never i've never seen the, the lynch one uh i purposely didn't watch it because i figured well if i'm gonna see the new one i'd rather just be unfamiliar with the world and the, and the characters and i'll, I'll watch I it afterwards definitely spoil but, you. uh huh <laughs> i definitely spoil you yeah, well, yeah. So, uh, nothing about Dune is convoluted, from what I understand. Yeah. So, it should be pretty totally, straightforward. Yeah, it's just well, like an enjoy story. the final the final days of being able to hear uh, before seeing a Villeneuve movie. I, I can only assume that he's just gonna fuck you up, uh, like <laughs> in 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 the way we're all fucked up by Blade Runner uh, twenty forty nine. I still need to go see that. I don't know why I didn't watch it. Uh, that's I've heard that movie. Was, or do, do you like that movie or not like that movie? You know, I have a couple good feelings about it. Yeah, same. Okay. I think it's. I mean, it was a movie. Yeah, like at the very least, I'm like, I'm glad this exists. And it's not a shit show, rather than, like the fact no. that you would, you would, the fact that they they made a direct sequel to Blade Runner, and your reaction to it is like, well, I'm glad they made it. Mixed feelings is actually like that's a pretty high bar to clear. I feel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's tough to yeah, like also it's so it's so tough to match up with like continuing a film that is. Uh, damn near perfect in a lot of ways, and it's yeah. like, don't you want to know what happens next? And I was like, I, not really, but okay. Like, what happened <laughs> you to tell me? And it's like they had a baby, and it was maybe the chosen one. I was like, fuck, god damn it. Anyway, point is, or was it? Or was it? <laughs> Point is, uh, so I guess mine uh, say the line uh, Zachney thing would be so for years, Jordan Mechner tried to shop the last express around uh, as mm. a movie um, that, that was under the name The Firebird. Uh, and you try to get that made for, for ages. They reached various stages of development, but never, never cleared it. The thing is, we have the per like again, the game is kind of perfect, and it's hard to imagine that being better in a different medium. I would still be keen to see it in a different medium, though. I'd be I'd be really interested in the film version of uh of The Last Express. I'm 
Like I can see that being really good. Also, who doesn't who does who who doesn't need another like take on murder on the Orient Express? Like <laughs> I even like that not so great Kenneth Branagh version. Like you just put a bunch of like <laughs> mysterious people in a luxury train and like maroon them uh, somewhere in like early 20th century Europe. I'm there. Doesn't you don't even need a magical cursed firebird. It could just be people talking. Put my dinner with Andre on the Orient Express. <laughs> Greatest movie ever made. Guaranteed. All right. Well, that will do it for uh, today's episode. Uh, you want more Waypoint, you can follow us uh, on Twitter at Waypoint, on Facebook and YouTube at Waypoint Vice. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob Zachney Patrick. At Patrick Lubbock. Cotto. At A underscore Cotto underscore appears. Uh, for Waypoint Plus listeners, we are continuing with uh, Stalktober. I think the Stalker, the, the movie podcast, just dropped uh, over on the Waypoint Plus feed. And next week, uh, in honor of Halloween, we are watching a spooky Michael Mann movie, Manhunter, uh, in which Will Graham tries to escape the ghosts of the Hannibal Lecter case as he chases <laughs> a far less accomplished serial killer, but it's still pretty good. So you should check it out. Uh, if that sounds good. Or you just want more waypoint. You can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. Uh, not only do you get access to our premium feed, but you're also helping support waypoint and especially waypoint streams. Uh, and speaking of streaming, we've been playing a lot of stalker and mm-hmm. we are on a run. Uh, we've played past- a lot. I, I looked up a walkthrough. It was like at the pace we we're about three fourths through it. Right. Uh, yeah. a little for, you know, uh, in certain, in terms of the story, if we were to keep mainlining. So, um, and if, if you had a gun that shot straight, I think we'd be like, uh, <laughs> like, like well, then what would be the fun in that Rob? It's like, it's so much more fun to line up the reticle and, and watch them just fall to the wayside. No, you just got to crouch and then it'll be more accurate. It's still, I'm st- it's still going off. Trigger discipline, Klepek. Trigger discipline. <laughs> so once again, that's waypointplus.com. Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Uh, that's us called... What? <laughs> what, Kato? The thing. Streams? Next week. That's next week. Should we talk about it? Is it too early? I can cut this if we want to. Oh, oh no. Yeah, it's next Friday. One hey, week from uh, from one week okay, from when so you're listening to Kato, this. Kato, so this is what you're going to do. You're We're going to do this here. Yeah. And then you're going to copy and paste it and put it in the front because that's <laughs> where you should put things that you promote. Yeah. So you're going to hear this twice because you're hearing our thought process now. We've done this before. We ha- we're fixing so many things. We're addressing so many things, Rob. Like a part of our, st- we need to be better at promoting things. And so, like Rob, what are we promoting? Waiting. Uh, we are promoting the five-year anniversary of Waypoint, a star-studded stream uh, <laughs> featuring many Waypoint alumni, our friends from Motherboard, us, not featuring most of the people who were there for the 72-hour launch stream. <laughs> Also not happening, a 72-hour stream in honor of five years of Waypoint. Also vetoed was my plan 
to do a musical interpretation of the last five years of Waypoint, which I just adapted the musical the last five years, but made it about Waypoint. And so, like, we would be oh. over here doing the Waypoint Plus shit up right. front, but then, like, the OG Waypoint people would be, like, doing it in reverse. We'd pass each other midway through, and we'd really reflect, reflect on our shared journey. Uh, but it was too high concept uh, for some people <laughs> and completely unworkable in a stream format. So instead, we're just getting the band back together on Friday and streaming all day and playing a lot of fun games. That's right. Uh, yeah. Then, well, what was our timing on that? that? Sometime Eastern ten. It's, East ten. Yeah, East like German, not, yeah. starting around ten a.m. Eastern with some flexibility. Yeah, yeah. And wrapping around like six p.m. if everything goes well. Right. Mm-hmm. With some flexibility, but during during the day, the work day, we will be yes live playing games, having fun. <laughs> We're also honoring a new era of Waypoint by just taking the weekend. Like, <laughs> should we make this a whole huge extravaganza? No. No, I like my Saturdays and Sundays, it turns out. Eight <laughs> glorious hours of streaming, and then a chill Friday night, and disappointing sports all weekend. That's the... I mean, that's- well, you know, we, we are working towards, like, doing, like, an in-person, longer, big thing again, but... Uh, uh, the supply chain comes for even us um, <laughs> in terms of like waiting, waiting for all the equipment to arrive that was ordered a long time ago for a lot of money. Um, you know, we want to do all that stuff right. So we're, we're, we're working towards something like that. But this is this is a fun thing to do um, while we wait. So that's uh, that's us for this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Until then, fuck capitalism. Go home. Join us for our five year. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. God damn it. I. Hmm. Hmm? Everything's none good. Of I'm, none of this is directed at this. <laughs> at anything important. All right. Uh, very confused. There's a, very, there's a very specific... Uh, clothing wear line that does drops randomly and i think i missed the last drop mm. that's right uh, all right uh, they make uh, 
hoodies and hats and shirts with like <laughs> philosophical quotes on them. There was a hat with like quotes from Paulo Freire's <laughs> Pedagogy of the Oppressed on it last time, and I missed out, and I was so mad. <laughs> All right, uh, time that is. Yeah, twenty-eight. Perfect. Let's look at this hat. Wouldn't you wear this hat with some Werner Herzog shit on it? I can't wear hats. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, I can't I feel, either. I don't. I don't like that. I'm. You know, it's not even like I have a. a, a a feeling on it. I just my hair doesn't is incompatible with with hats. Damn, my hat sucks. Big. I would love to wear hats. <laughs> hats seem awesome. Hats seem like a lot of fun. They do. There's so much personality in hats, way more than other clothes. And then you can put funny sayings on them. It's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. 